Many of my curious colleagues who have been following over the past few years know that I've been trying to kind of ratchet up my health and wellness habits to feel better and stronger after successful chemo. And one of those habits I'm working on is drinking more water. And this is where Liquid IV comes in. Liquid IV is the category winning hydration brand fueling your well-being. And it's their hydration multiplier that's the one product you're missing in your daily routine. What's nice about it, it's just this one stick and in it you get five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. And get this, it's two times faster hydration than water alone. So you could use it first thing in the morning, maybe before a workout, or when you're feeling run down. One of the things I love most about it is its efficiency. If anyone has seen me, I'm typically surrounded by one to two glasses of water, or a big old jug of water that I sometimes forget to bring to work. And what's nice is Liquid IV is efficient. And the flavor that's working for me right now is their wild berry. But there's a couple new ones that are out as well that you got to try two times faster. And like I said, more efficiently than water alone. And it's three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients. It's non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. So this is what you're going to do. You're going to go ahead, treat yourself to 20% off and use code MyCuriousColleague at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code my curious colleague and don't forget to use the special link in my show notes welcome to the my curious colleague podcast with your host me denise finieri we'll be talking all things consumer relations with a focus on consumer product goods organizations and the brand specialist and analyst roles and responsibilities so if you like cpgs like i like cpgs marketing insights and caring deeply for your consumers well take a listen hello my curious colleagues my guest today is my colleague chris drury director of customer care at blonde fine foods today's chat with chris is going to be third in my series on the r word yes recalls Specifically, we'll be talking about the tools and technology that can be enabled in the event of a recall. We're going to get into about four different touch points in the flow of recall technology that can really come in handy um, using digital self-service, including a bot, so exciting, to help consumers feel cared for, could help reduce call volume to more traditional channels, and also, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the reporting applications during a recall that could provide timely reporting to, for example, the regulatory agency like the FDA or the USDA or your internal leadership. And also a report that could help you understand, I'll call it the footprint of your product when it comes to traceability at retailers, markets, distribution centers, etc. As always, Chris is informative and transparent, which is so cool. So um, let's listen in to my conversation with my colleague, Chris Drury. Hi, Chris, and welcome back to the podcast. Hello, Denise. Thank you for having me again. Of course, of course. 
Um, you know, what's always been interesting to me is your passion for learning and for sharing, even when it comes to the R word, as I said, recall. So I so appreciate that. Just wanted to get that out. Um, so let's fast forward a bit on this scenario. Let's say a recall has been determined as necessary. Okay. So we're at that point in the continuum. And I know there's stuff that goes on before this, and we can get into that. I'd love to have you back for another episode on that. Um, But tell me about maybe at this point in the continuum, a basic tech tool that our colleagues could start out. Well, once we determine that a recall will be happening, um, we have to run a shipment trace report. That allows us to identify um, based upon the affected lot code which of our customers received the product. It also identifies more specifically which POs from those customers uh, the product was shipped against. It identifies how many cases we shipped. And it also identifies the specific distribution center location that received those affected cases. We run that uh, here out of our ERP system, which is an enterprise resource planning. If for, for those of you that may not uh, know what that acronym stands for. For us, we have a product called X3. Uh, it's kind of a mid-sized business uh, ERP system, but the more notable ones others may know are SAP and Oracle. So essentially, it's what your organization runs on for your accounting systems, your warehousing systems, your order management systems. Mm-hmm. So this X3, is it capital X? The letter X and then the number three. Okay. So that's hitting against, because it's not hitting against your consumer care CRM, correct? Right. It's hitting against. As an order comes in from a customer, our customer service team enters that order under the PO number. If I have to run a shipment trace report, it's going to, and I input the lot code that's affected and the item, the specific SKU, it's going to tell me based on that SKU and that lot code, these are the respective purchase orders uh, from our customers that we actually ship product against. So then you'll know where the potential effective product is sitting at that that moment in time, right? Okay. Correct. I know, well, first of all, you're very savvy um, in consumer care and in reporting analytics. So I know that uh, it makes sense for you to get your hands in this. You're also the recall coordinator for Blunt Fine Foods, Fine Foods, which is cool. Um, but to me, I, I'm just wondering um, if I'm not the recall coordinator for my company, what would be the benefit to say, hey, we'll run that? Well, in some organizations, the customer care lead is not necessarily the recall coordinator, but Ultimately, this becomes an engagement between the organization and the customers that received affected product. And we have two pieces to our business. One is the food service side and one is the retail side. We run that report the same way, regardless of which marketplace it goes into. However, downstream on the retail side, you not only need to identify those retailers, but then you're going to have the whole direct-to-consumer piece that, that... adds on top of that. So all of those engagements typically 
reside within the customer care, customer experience uh, purview. Um, so if you're not the recall leader, um, someone high up in customer care really needs to be part of the crisis management team. So at the very least, they're aware Absolutely. of it. There may be someone else in the organization that is responsible for running the shipment trace report. Um, yeah. But ultimately, it's the customer care function that really should be managing those communications outward to those affected customers. Yeah. I think what I like about it is it kind of gives you that control because that report is really, to me, it feels like the crux of everything that comes next. Uh, so then once that report is run, uh, there's some other steps that happen behind the scenes. Well, not really behind the scenes, but I know there's an adverse event document that we had chatted about. You know, we're, we're looking at a draft of a, a press release that needs to get aligned to. Um, some internal documentation. So let's pretend for this conversation. So that's all been figured out and in line too. So what's next when, you know, we think about tech in this recall journey? Well, next in my mind is the part where we leverage our CRM because we're going to be sending out um, notifications to those affected customers. And those oh, okay. are actually coming out of our CRM in customer care. So we take the shipment results and who those okay. customers are, mm -hmm. and we identify at those customers who is the point of contact for recall. Um, mm -hmm. We then draft the communication to those affected customers, and we launch them from our customer care platform. And what is the tool that does that? These um, The standard tools that you always have in your CRM? We create a template within Amplify Agent. That's the platform we're on. It was formerly Astute Agent. Um, so within there, we create a recall affected customer template. We load in those affected customers as contacts. And then from each of them, we create uh, the notification and we send it out. And Denise, the real important part to this is once we do that, there will be an awful lot of dialogue back and forth with those customers because they all have uh, a set of pretty similar requirements, but then there's a variety beyond that that each organization does that might be specific to their own. So we're able to manage that leveraging the CRM platform so that every email back and forth is getting captured within that record and we can follow the thread. And if there's any additional documentation that that customer needs, we there again can launch it and send it out of the CRM platform to them and it documents what was sent within that contact record. Got it. And customers, you you mean literally the customer, the retailer. Um, the retailer, the yeah. So for yeah. us, that'll be, you know, Walmart, Target, Publix, Sprouts Markets, Stop yep. and Shop, Kroger, all of those folks. Okay. You guys play, you know, such a key role. I mean, I guess I should say all consumer care plays such a key role, but you um, really get your hands in there. W what's next? Let me not guess because I'll guess wrong. What's next then in terms of technology <laughs> that you so employ? While this, yeah, so while that is happening, concurrently, we are also building, um, we, we have a website that's already pre-established that's that we basically hide from public access on a, a, a micro page. And we also have a digital self-service bot uh, 
that we've already pre-built that is also hidden from public access. So at this point in time, we take the details that uh, come from that particular recall. Uh, we try and align the website information that we're putting out there with the public press release so that they, they marry each other. And then the digital self-service bot, we will build uh, essentially a logic pathway in terms of a series of questions to gather appropriate information from consumers. So that's on the retail side. So we're going to leverage both the uh, a website as a landing page for the recall, as well mm -hmm. as a digital self-service bot to help manage the volume of contacts for the recall. Yeah, so this the website is um, a little microsite page, you may have said, that's sort yes. of at the ready. Um, and who built that for you? Is that somebody over on the brand? And um, yeah, who, who would build this little microsite for you? So on the customer care, me specifically uh, worked with our marketing team as well as our web team. Yeah. to build that microsite uh, and have it ready to go um, with uh, the basic information that is going to always appear on every recall. And then we just fill in those details when we have the adverse event, uh, such as yeah. adding pictures of the packaging, adding mm -hmm. more specific uh, retailer locations that were involved in it, uh, those, mm -hmm. those sorts of details that you would also commonly find in the, in the press release with the FDA or USDA. We're not going to put anything different than that in there. We want to. That's yeah. why we have to wait to that moment in time until we know we're we're a go with one of those regulatory bodies. Because at that yeah. point, we also have an idea of what that press release is going to look like and what the scope of the recall is. So at that point, we go back and engage the marketing and the web team. We have them help us with the uh, microsite uh, and get that prepared to go. They add a. Uh, they're going to also add a banner across all of our corporate websites that directs consumers to that landing page. Um, so those will both get launched simultaneously once the press release has gone out. We yeah. also will work with um, our admin team uh, for our, our you know, customer care platform. They also help us manage our, our uh, chat bots. So we'll work with them at the same time we're working with the marketing and web team uh, so that we can build out that digital self-service bot, along with all the associated flows back into the CRM, uh, which includes, you know, using as much automation as possible to populate uh, records um, and also populate what the response letter would be associated with that record uh, and any compensation uh, that's appropriate for that record. Mm -hmm. Aside from it sounding very cool, I grew up with the Jetsons. So anything that has botted it, uh, one of the good bots, not that one bot that would then go awry and then they would be like the evil bot. You know that episode. Anyway, um, but aside from bots sounding very cool, what is the overall benefit during a recall for employing this self-service uh, bot that we're, that we're talking about? Well, it allows for 24-7 service. First and foremost, okay. that's that's one of the real benefits to it is if you have because, you know, we all know in customer care these days that consumers want to reach out to us whenever they feel compelled to do so. Right. Yeah. So recalls are always uh, difficult to gauge what the volume will look like. 
Um, so the digital self-service chatbot gives you a mechanism to be open 24-7 for that consumer to walk through that flow and ultimately get to an endpoint that says you're, you have affected or unaffected product. And then that the triggers second, Oh, excuse it me. It does. It does. And then the second really big benefit um, that's kind of a, a partnership to that is it removes a lot of contact volume off of your agents. Because it's going through the secret microsite website coming through that way versus say the phone. Correct. Correct. And you know, there is always, it's important to keep in mind that sometimes you're going to have contacts through the recall that still need a live agent to have a more deeper conversation with a consumer. So you have to make sure that you allow for that, um, that fall out of the, the chat bot into a live agent situation. So if that occurs during business hours, a live agent becomes involved immediately. If it occurs outside of the business hours, the consumer uh, is advised, they receive a message that um, we need to talk with you further, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, please provide, you know, we collect their contact information and advise them that uh, one of our team members will call them first thing the next business day. So what I was hearing, it, it re- takes volume off of your more traditional channels like phone, um, but still allowing for person-to-person care when needed. Um, and then I think also like with a recall, and I'm not as savvy in this area, so that's why I love talking to folks like you. I know that that's a tricky part of it, this forecast of, okay, depending on the scope and size of, of the recall itself, what that means in terms of contact volume and hence staffing. So the bot allows you also to um, staff as needed. Or tell me more about that. I'm not sure if I'm articulating that correctly. And we can gauge. I mean, it is always somewhat guesswork. So I think one thing that hasn't yet been said that I always in my head, it's it's implicit to me, but I'll, I'll state it blatantly, is that the whole goal you need to keep in mind in in having customer care managing the outward bound communications for the recall is to really get it into a pretty well-defined channel that Mm -hmm. is removed from your normal business. So the bot allows for that. Having a partner that can scale with you in terms of live agents that is a different group of live agents than your normal business is also an important part of that. Um, so we, we do leverage that component uh, within the, the recall also. Okay, perfect. Thank you for clarifying that for me. And then the last sort of area I thought we could touch on, unless I'm missing something, is the reporting technology, uh, both to, um, you know, internally and also out to a regulatory body. Can you can you talk about those two? Sure. S- sure. So... So of course, every case is every case is getting uh, every contact is getting coded uh, accordingly within the system. So one of those keys to the coding of that record or that contact is to also is to have um, a field in your CRM where you can call out those recall contacts. And what I mean by that as an example is here at Blount, 
I have a field in every, that resides on the user interface for every single contact we have, and it's a Blount priority field. That field for me identifies uh, by letter A, B, C, and R. And A for me is illness injury. A B yeah. for me is foreign material, extraneous material, and label um, issues because those groups have um, some pretty um, high business risk implications. So we like to be able to use our reporting to just look at the A's or the B's. So the R now allows us to pull the recall contacts in our reporting uh, pretty easily. And then from that, um, typically what we're doing is we're looking at this in two ways. One is we have reporting uh, built in SQL Server reporting services, uh, which is, you know, the acronym is SSRS. A lot of people refer to it that way. Um, those are more structured reports that go out. Um, we can schedule those uh, on the back end so that it runs at a certain frequency and pushes it out in an email format and delivers a PDF version of the report to that, that recipient group, um, typically, which would be kind of management and food safety. And then food safety can use that for their communications with the USDA and the FDA. We also will use uh, Power BI. It's newer for us. We used to use Tableau um, right. for dashboards. And that's more real time when we get into something like Power BI, where we can we can actually call out the recall and see the contacts and see how many contacts that we've been getting in, into the uh, the contact center. And that Power BI um, is for like your internal reporting? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that allows us to gauge where we stand, how, what the volume looks like, how much of the volume has been self-service, how much of the volume has been uh, calls into the recall phone number, um, and how much of it actually went through digital self-service and fell out to a live agent conversation. Got it. And who has set up that Power BI? Is that something you've set up the query or the dash, however you want to call that? We, or do you we, have to so go outside I, yeah, we have a separate business intelligence team here at Blount. So I work with them on any type of reporting that I need, whether it's in Tableau, Power BI, SSRS. I work directly with that team. They have the developers, the report writers, and they'll they'll build those reports or dashboards for us based upon you know what it is that I set for expectations, requirements, and what we want to see. When we want to see it, how we want to see it, do we want it emailed, not emailed? All of right. those wonderful little details. Nice to have that that partnership internal, especially in a crisis situation. Um, but probably you have this already developed, and it's just sitting there. If I know you, something's developed. Yeah, it's really important. Um, you know, I can speak for food processing companies pretty darn well because I, I've got experience with both FDA and USDA in some, you know, the state health uh, departments. Mm -hmm. um, I can't necessarily speak towards someone that's more in uh, other types of consumer products. I'm sure they have other regulatory yeah. bodies that they're dealing with that have their own set of requirements. Mm -hmm. But at, at the end of the day, the most important thing is to really have these tools already built as part of your crisis management program. Because the USDA, for instance, when we have to go through an event with them, it moves very, very quickly. Yep. Sage advice. Sage advice. 
All right. So we're coming to the end of the, the podcast and um, just wanted to double check. You're still up for sticking around for the double secret bonus question. Absolutely. Yes. Okay, cool. And that just to give folks a hint on that, it's about an upcoming speaking gig that um, that you're going to be going, that you're going to be speaking at. Uh, so that that's enough of the hint. I'm going to keep the rest of it uh, secret. So, um, you know, thank you for sharing all the, the technology information and your point of view. I, I really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. I always enjoy sharing because best practices help everybody. Yeah, agreed. If you've learned even a kernel of an idea or was inspired by this episode, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to share out the hashtag CPGCX because CPGCX really and truly rocks. You have been listening to the My Curious Colleague podcast with Denise Veneri. Thank you for your time. Many of my curious colleagues who have been following over the past few years know that I've been trying to kind of ratchet up my health and wellness habits to feel better and stronger after successful chemo. And one of those habits I'm working on is drinking more water. And this is where Liquid IV comes in. Liquid IV is the category winning hydration brand fueling your well-being and it's their hydration multiplier that's the one product you're missing in your daily routine. What's nice about it, it's just this one stick and in it you get five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. And get this, it's two times faster hydration than water alone. So you could use it first thing in the morning, maybe before a workout, or when you're feeling run down. One of the things I love most about it is its efficiency. If anyone has seen me, I'm typically surrounded by one to two glasses of water or a big old jug of water that I sometimes forget to bring to work. And what's nice is Liquid IV is efficient. And the flavor that's working for me right now is their wild berry. But there's a couple new ones that are out as well that you gotta try. Two times faster, and like I said, more efficiently than water alone. And it's three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients. It's non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. So this is what you're going to do. You're going to go ahead, treat yourself to 20% off, and use code MyCuriousColleague at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code my curious colleague. And don't forget to use the special link in my show notes.